Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Follow the marquee and come to the Monday matinee. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. And welcome to Season 13, Episode 563. I'm David Alt. Uh, Jack Ward is just coming back from visiting his parents in Ontario. His father had a little procedure early in the week, and I'm sure he would appreciate your kind thoughts and wishes of a speedy recovery for Jack Sr. Tonight is an eclectic mix as we present a number of audio shorts. Normally, so many of the modern audio drama fare are larger scale productions and the beauty of a short story, or rather a short audio production, can get lost in the hubbub of the epic shows. But not tonight. Oh no. Tonight we present a number of shorts such as Nowhere Cruisers and the Benjamin Swan exhibit from Danny Sachs, Holocausts of Our Lives from the classic Excursions, Adventure Alley's A Desert Journey, and last but not least, the hilarious Legendsmith Automaton anthologies with their automated parody of Harry Potter and the Portrait of What Looks Like a Pile of Ash. And it all begins right here. Oh, Right, it's just me tonight, isn't it? Um, <coughs> on the Sonic Society. Well, there you are. I was hoping you'd find me. I'm Danny Sachs. Here's a little hot rod tale right out of the pages of the Johnny Kid Road Adventure series. Tonight's episode, the Nowhere Cruisers in Phantoms of Fate. While going for a cruise late one night in his hot rod coupe, Johnny slows for a traffic light in front of a rundown drive-in called Chunky's and sees a shadow of a woman waving to him from the parking lot. When he pulls in to investigate, he meets two of the Nowhere Cruisers instead, but not before a brief encounter with a stranger and a blacked-out custom Merc. Oh, I almost forgot to mention, our story takes place on a little island far across the vast Pacific called Oahu. I don't bother chasing mice around. Damn it, not now. What the hell? Hey, man, that's a cool-looking ride. Uh, looks like your motor's gonna get a little wet. Johnny's little douche coupe was built the old-fashioned way, with chrome lake-style headers, no hood, and no fenders. 
If you got caught in a downpour driving a hot rod like his, you ran the risk of your engine getting wet and conking out somewhere on the highway. Not if I can help it. Come on, I'll race you for the pole. I see lots of poles. Which light pole? No, man, I'll race you for Maybe next time. I'm gonna pull into that drive-in over there before it really starts coming down. Okay, man, that ain't my stop. I'll be seeing you, Johnny. Johnny pulled his hot rod coupe into the diner and made a dash under Chunky's red and white canopy. Then he lit a cigarette with a Zippo lighter. Oh, he was good with it, too. He could pop that lighter to a flame pretty fast in a showy snap motion called the squeeze. As he took a drag, he didn't notice the waitress behind the counter. How could he? There were no lights. Once Johnny got a good look at her, though, he liked what he saw. She had dark hair that dropped halfway to her waist, and her blouse was open just a bit. She had this cool gothic bomber girl look going that sort of resembled pinup dames from the 40s. If you're going to order, I suggest anything but our famous freeze. Our machine is down. Jeez, you startled me. I didn't think anyone was in here. How's your coffee? I'll make a new pot. It looked like you were close from the street. Was that you waving to me in the parking lot just before I pulled in? No, why? All the lights are off. I sure thought I saw someone out there. The roof leaks everywhere in this place. I turned off a couple of lights over the grill just in case. You wouldn't believe how hard it came down in the kitchen. Why would you drive a hot ride like that on a night- On a night like this? Well, it was clear when I left Hawaii Kai. That was just going around the block. I heard a good song on the radio, so I kept going. Oh, I've done that. I could drive forever listening to the likes of B.B. King and Billie Holiday. Lately, I've been digging the rockabilly stuff, you know? Then you gotta like the Stray Cats. I was just listening to them on the radio. By the way, I'm Johnny. Here you go, Hot Rod Johnny. Watch out. The cup's hot. My name is Lisa, but a handful of the cruisers call me Left Lane. Did you say Left Lane? I never really understood why either, but I've stuck with it. Besides, I, I kind of like it. Well, Lisa Left Lane, thanks, but I don't want another coffee. This one's for Wally. He always comes in around this time. Wally? Yeah, he used to work here. He was one of the best fry cooks we ever had, but he quit years ago after a grease fire. He wouldn't happen to drive a chopped 49 Merc with blacked out windows, would he? No, why? I just saw one like that earlier, that's all. Wally doesn't drive, not since he was in that fire anyway. Some say he was drinking when it all happened. Anyway, he lives in those apartments across the street, and he's been coming in for coffee every night since. And there he is now, right on time, Sir Wally. Uh, you're talking about me again. If you want me, I'll be at my table. You saw her, didn't you? Who? The girl in the parking lot. And I bet anything you also saw that futuristic job, too. The one with that freaky-sounding engine. Thought I saw something, but how? <coughs> oh, don't listen to him. We might be famous for our freeze, but sweet old Wally here is famous for telling stories, especially when it comes to hot rods like yours. Oh, I gotta hear this. All right, Wally, I'll bite. I suppose you're gonna tell me I saw Madame Pele or the White Lady. Nah, but if you really wanna know, 
you got to forget all about those other ghost stories you've ever heard. Morgan's Corner and the 13 Steps ain't got nothing on this one. But first, you got a smoke on you? Yeah, sure. Here you go. That's called the squeeze. So, tell me about that girl. Wait a minute. Let me see your lighter again. I had one like that a long time ago. It belonged to my dad. Sure, here. I've had a few of them, but for some reason this one just feels better in my hand. They call that the Windwing Special. Hey, that was pretty cool. Where'd you get this, anyway? I found it in some old Chevy wagon at the wrecking yard. So, what about the story? Wally gazed at the lighter for a few seconds as he sorted his thoughts. The way it shimmered in the dimly lit dining room seemed to shine new life in his old eyes. And Johnny noticed it. All right. It all started on Wiley Avenue. Sometime I try to make all the lights when I'm going through. Well, there wasn't a single car going down Wiley that night. The only sound on the street was coming from the stoplights. You know, the clicks. Then, Billy Cross showed up in his hopped-up 55 Nomad. Back then, he went by Windwing. What was his name? Windwing. Don't ask me why. That's just the name he went by back then. Anyway, he caught the light on 9th Avenue when that friggin' blacked-out custom job was going the other way. When he saw Billy, he made a U-turn and pulled up alongside him. That's the car. That's the car I saw, that Merc. He asked me if I wanted to race him. I thought so. Anyway, when he pulled up next to Billy, the guy rolled down his window, but it was too dark. Billy couldn't see his face. That's when the guy said, It's a mighty fine-looking automobile you got there. What you got in that thing? Just a mild small block. That's some ride you got. I've never seen anything like that. Aw, uh, man, this here is a special ride from Mojo City, Detroit. Bet I can make it to the next light before you. What, race? Nah, maybe next time, when I have this heat fixed up. Come on, just for kicks. Okay, stoplight to stoplight then. After you, Mr. Detroit. bad for a clunky wagon. Want to go again? Nah, but I gotta tell you, that was a blast. Come on, let's go. We're running out of time. The light's gonna change any second now. Okay, okay, we go one more time. We're almost home, baby doll. Just one more stop to make. Billy hit the woman in the crosswalk. He tried to stop. He really did, but he was going too fast. That poor girl didn't see him coming until it was too late. He dragged her and her baby stroller about 100 feet into the left lane before his nomad finally stopped. When he got out, he saw she was pinned under his front bumper. All she kept asking was, where was her baby? But I... Billy knew. He saw her baby fly like a loose watermelon when he hit them. Don't move. You're gonna be okay. What's your name? Lisa. Where's my baby? Just don't move, Lisa. I'll get help. Looks like we got a small calamity here. What do you think we ought to do? Go get help. Call somebody. Call an ambulance. It's too late, Windwing. She's gone. 
Now look what you gone and did just because you were aching for that one quick thrill ride, never thinking about the consequences. What do you mean? You caused this. You knew she would be in the street by the time we got here. You saw her when we were coming up the other way. You had to. Help her. Somebody had to go tonight. I would have preferred it to be you, but all's well it ends well, I guess. What the hell are you talking about? Don't you get it, Billy? Ah, uh, Wind Wing, you still don't understand, do you? No, I don't. Hey, and how do you know my name anyway? Just go get help. There's a phone across the street. My little girl, wh where's my- Oops, my mistake. Looks like there's still a little life left in her after all. If you're not gonna call for help, I will. Hey, Wind Wing, it's you or her. All you gotta do is say so. You're insane. Fine, do whatever you need to do. Jeez, where's a cop when you need? What is your emergency? I just hit someone, and her baby, she, she's hurt real bad. I, I'm at 9th and Wyoming. When Billy went back to Lisa to wait for the ambulance, the guy Detroit was gone. Billy sat in the street next to her, closed his eyes for a minute, and then, you got another cigarette on you? Here, keep the pack. And then what? And then, the next thing Billy remembered was waking up on the floor in his apartment, right over there across the street, with a really bad hangover. I mean, how could a guy just disappear like that without making a sound? Billy never even heard his frickin' engine. You boys want any more coffee before I close up? I'll take one more for the road. I gotta be getting home. Wally, can I have my lighter back now? Oh, uh, yeah, here, take it. I sure like the way it feels in my hand, too. I see what you mean. So is that it? Was that the whole story? Some folks say that the woman in the parking lot, the girl that you saw from the street, is Lisa checking up on her daughter every once in a while. See, Hot Rod, her baby survived. Her name was also Lisa. When the baby got tossed out of the stroller, she landed into the left lane unharmed. I called her left lane. That's her over there, pouring the coffee. Wait a doggone minute. Are you saying you're Windwing? You're Billy Cross? You catch on pretty quick, I, I don't believe you. If what you're saying is true, then who's that dude in the black car you called Detroit? I don't know. Maybe he's fate. Maybe he's Beelzebub himself. I just know that when he shows up in that blacked-out custom job of his, something really bad happens. And whatever you do, just don't ever race him. Just keep going. Here you go, Dad. Good night, Johnny. Hey, Windwing. Yeah? Here, keep the lighter. You're better at the Windwing special than I'll ever be. Two days later, Johnny ran into a hot rod buddy who happened to do demolition work around town and told him of his recent encounter at Chunky's with Lisa Leftlane and Wallace Winwing. Even when Johnny vowed to his friend that he gave Wally his lighter, his friend insisted that Johnny couldn't have been there because Chunky's had been closed for over a month and that his company tore it down a week ago. He said they were just waiting for the cleanup crew to clear the rubble before work began on a new building. That sunny afternoon, around lunchtime, Johnny went back to the drive-in. He parked his hot rod coupe where Chunky's red and white canopy once stood, 
got out and saw all that remained of the driving was just a pile of broken concrete blocks and brick. Some still had red and white paint on them. While standing on top of the debris pile, a shiny object caught his eye. What's this? That was our story. We hope you enjoyed it. Please stay tuned for more from In the Days of Johnny Kidd, Road Adventures from Hawaii. Thank you for listening. Until next time, keep your toolbox neat, the drop light handy, and the shiny side up. I'm Danny Sachs. all logic. It teeters on the cusp of twisted dimensions, illuminated by a shaft of light of unknown origin which Benjamin Swan calls home. He knows beyond his shadow and the distorted windows that glow is perhaps a place with color, where blues, reds, and greens of all shades pop against a magenta sky. He can only imagine the world beyond the world that you know. But how could he know for sure? He's stuck in this room. On the other hand, how can he complain? It's his. It's his world that he alone created. Sometimes he'll walk from room to room on a diligent quest to make sure that he's still there, that he's still relevant. Now and again, he'll get a visitor or two. Why won't they stay, he wonders. She also comes to visit once in a while. But why won't she stay, he thinks to himself. If only she'd look into his eyes, perhaps together, they could then conceivably talk about what's beyond the steps that forbid him from going any further. Alas. In spite of his invitation, she never sits. Perhaps she just wants to make sure he's still there too. He thinks to himself, I'll wait till the next time. I'll wait till our time is right. He knows he's safe in the room where no one can find him. But he also knows that she knows he's there. He contemplates once in a while and then shouts, I know she knows. In the silent moments, when he thinks he can see her, he wants to ask her, 
If I can be seen, can you see me too? Or could this just be a cruel and demented illusion? He'd ask her, but she can't hear him. He desperately wants to hear her. Is her voice soft like the beam that illuminates the room? Maybe she just comes to look out his window to see the sky, he thinks. Is there one? Sky, I mean. What's it like to be alone? What's it like to talk to someone? Benjamin has so many questions, but he'll just have to wait until the next time she shows up. Meanwhile, he won't take another step further as he observes the shadows that bounce from room to room, illuminated by a single ray of light that Benjamin Swan calls home. Because for Benjamin, he is the exhibit. Travel with us to any place in time. Explore alien worlds. Visit places where good doesn't always triumph. This is Excursion. Waiting for buses is such a tedious thing, would you agree? I see from the button on your shirt you are a so-called revisionist. You are a Holocaust denier. You do not believe six million Jews were annihilated by the Nazi Germans during World War II? I'm not a Holocaust denier. I find the term insulting and dismissive. I believe Jewish human beings were murdered by the Nazi war machine during World War II, along with French, Czechs, Poles, Yugoslavs, Africans, Jehovah's Witnesses, Gypsies, Roman Catholics, and mentally retarded Germans. These are the casualties of the Holocaust of World War II. <laughs> well, six million Jews perished in the Holocaust. The definition of a Holocaust can mean a massive slaughter, genocide, or a burnt offering. There was a burnt offering in my family history, with my great-grandfather and grandmother. Their house was surrounded by the Ku Klux Klan and burned down. They were burned alive. That's my family's personal holocaust. Such acts have happened to many families over time. These are the holocausts of our lives, sir. So the bottom line is that you do not believe in the Holocaust? Which Holocaust? An atheist friend of mine told me that someone asked him if he believed in the Bible, and he responded, which Bible? 
And the person who asked him said, what do you mean, which Bible? And he replied, you Christians have so many versions of the Bible, Douay, Tyndale, the Amplified Bible, Geneva Bible, Wycliffe's Bible, New International Version, New World Translation, King James Bible, and many more. So, which Bible? So if I'm asked about the Holocaust, I usually ask, which Holocaust? Are you a Muslim? No, I'm not a Muslim. I'm a fundamentalist Christian. I noticed that when people in our society pronounce the word Muslim as Muslim, that usually means they carry a certain amount of prejudicial baggage towards the religion of Islam and Arab peoples. Islam is a despicable religion, young man. It is more of a political movement dead set on wiping out Jews just like the Nazis during World War II. But how much did Jewish human beings learn from World War II? Right now, the nation of Israel is treating the Palestinians in Gaza just like the Nazis treated the Jews in Europe. How dare you say that? That's spitting in the face of every Jew. Look at this. This is the number on my arm that the Nazis gave me. Look at it. Do you see it? I'm looking at it, sir. It's the brand of Nazi slavery. My parents, sisters, and I also wore a yellow star to identify us as Jews to the Germans. Look at the color of my skin. Look at it. As a person of African descent, it's not just a yellow star pinned to my clothes or a number tattooed on my arm. It is the color of my skin itself that labels me because racism has made it so. You can remove the tattoo of numbers from your arm and the yellow badge from your clothing and label yourself Slavic, Canadian, Irish, Italian, or Romanian. In this country, I'll always be considered intellectually inferior and racially profiled as a potential criminal. You have an answer for everything, don't you? And you are just regurgitating information from Allied propaganda since World War II. What if I told you that there was only one war in human history. That statement would be absurd. There have been many wars in history. Exactly. World War One and Two, the Spanish-American War, the American Civil War, Vietnam, the Cold War, the War on Drugs, the Persian Gulf War. History is boiling over with wars. But what if I told you that there was only one mass murder in history? Only one mass murder? Yes, and that mass murder was the genocide of the natives in North and South America. That wouldn't be right. Common sense says there were several acts of mass murder throughout history. Exactly. Millions died in several wars in history. Okay. I see where you're going with this. You're not as smart as you think you are. So, if I told you there was only one holocaust in human history, would you believe it? How many people have to die in order to make it a holocaust? Five hundred? Thousand? A million? But you revisionists cannot possibly believe that Adolf Hitler was good, do you? Adolf Hitler was evil. One of the proofs is that there were over four attempts on his life. 
even by his own generals and their subordinates. Usually you don't try to kill someone you feel is good. The Nazis were pure evil. No comparison to the state of Israel. Hitler and his followers are most likely burning in hell right now. I wouldn't doubt it. Hitler's hierarchy was demonized. Yes, the Nazi war machine murdered Jewish human beings, but they also murdered 20 million Russians and hundreds of thousands of American military. The Japanese war machine killed 20 million Chinese. The British war machine killed approximately 10 million people from India in a decade. The American war machine from 1963 to 1975 killed 2 million people in Southeast Asia. There is only one Holocaust. Only one. And it was true horror. Well, people who believe there's only one war, one mass murder, one ethnic cleansing, only one genocide that occurred in history need to connect history's factual dots. A person ignoring other holocausts most likely needs an intellectual wake-up call. There must be an honest assessment of history and events. We cannot leave our children in public and private schools a legacy of lies. You've just listened to The Holocausts of Our Lives. Featured in the cast, Paul Neil Rohr as the old man and Bradley Firebird as the young man. Written and directed by Bradley Thunderbird Phoenix. Music and sound effects from the Excursion Theater Library. Recorded at the KEPC 89.7 FM radio station. This was a production of the Pikes Peak Community College Radio Theater Club. Excursion! All set and ready for action, boss. Good. We strike in two days. They don't stand it. Boss! Hey, boss! What is it, Troy? Boss! I just came from Little Rock. They must suspect something. They are getting all the guns and ammo they can. What? We can't wait. They could easily overpower us if we do. We strike today. Today? But- I said today! Call them into attention. They must be prepared at a moment's notice. We'll still get them. 
Adventure Alley Productions presents to you A Desert Journey by Silas Johnson with Jacob Brody as Adam, Violet Peterson as Sarah, Harold Rosenberg as Scott, Jonathan Edwards as Samuel, and Samantha Carter as Ruth. There you are. Thank you. I never thought anything like this would happen, Sarah. I'm a little nervous. Adam, anyone who's defending their town from an attack would be nervous, I think. If anything happens to me... Oh, don't talk like that. You'll be fine. I only wish we knew when it will happen. Then we would be totally prepared. Adam, you better get out here. Be right there, Samuel. Adam, be careful. I will. What is it? There's a dust cloud approaching in the distance. Think it's them? Uh, it very well could be. Men, get in your positions and be prepared. Samuel, get all the women and children to the shelter. Yes, sir. Scott, sir, make sure everyone is ready and get the cannon set. Gotcha. We are ready for you. Close now. Haha, <laughs> I don't see anyone. We might have them. Good. File out, man. Everyone here? Where's Adam? Adam's missing? Where could he be? Perhaps he went to get the women and children. I'll go and see. I don't know, Ruth. They could have taken him. Oh, I'm glad you're all right. Daddy! Oh, come here, Rebecca. What was all that noise? 
Well, there were some men attacking our town, but we fought them off. There was a bit of damage, but it's fixable. Oh, but Adam! <laughs> Don't worry, we'll find him. <laughs> What's the plan now? Let's see. Next town's Blue River. We'll head for it early tomorrow. What about- Him? Just leave him. He'll only slow us down. Let him die. I don't really care. Maybe sometime we'll go back to Little Rock and try to get it for ourselves. Leave him? I could never do that. You ain't. I's the one doing it. You won't get away with this. Whoa, hold on there, sonny. I'm the leader of this ring, and no one threatens James Black. You saying you're backing out? No, um, uh, what I meant to say was, uh, oh, sure, um, let's uh, go ahead and, uh, um, uh, do as you, uh, do as you say. Good. Yeah, um, it'll be, it'll be fun to leave him all alone here. Haha, <laughs> fun. Okay, go get your sleep. We leave early. One question. What? How is this plan B? How? I bet you they'll leave the town to search for him. Leaving the town unprotected so we can take it. So, what are we going to do? We leave early in the morning to search for him. Should we tell everyone we're leaving? No, that would only worry them more. I'll even note, at least we have some men here to protect him somewhat. We'll need to rely on God to help us all. <laughs> God? You're kidding. You don't believe in God, do you? Yes, I do. He will watch over us. Hey. I hope someday you turn to him. He's the greatest friend you could ever have. Alright, let's get this clear. I'm not getting into any religion. It's fine and dandy for you, maybe. But don't waste your time on me. Now I'm going to check on our supplies. Dear God, please help him to see. Help him to turn to you, O Lord. I pray you would protect the others and watch over Adam. Help us to find him. Help us to find him. Get back. Oh, Lord, help me. 
Eat. Water. Eat. See any traces of him yet? Not a thing. He could be anywhere. I wonder if those thugs did anything to him. If they did, I'll... Let's just keep searching. Approaching Blue River now. Hold up! What's the report, Larson? Let's see. Haha, <laughs> not a soul in sight. Should be easy to take this one. Troy! Sir? Get the men prepared to attack. Right away. Let's see what these folks are made of. Hello there. My name is Walter Smith. Is your husband here? Not at the moment. Well, I am here about the town. What about our town? I'm here to take it. Take it? You can't do that. Oh, yes I can. I have legal papers right here. Unless you get the sheriff involved, I have legal rights to this town. We don't have a sheriff in this town. Well, I'm sorry. If you don't, there's nothing you can do. The leaders of this town are away. They should be back soon, if you'll wait. Ten minutes is all. Then if they are not here, you are going to have to leave immediately. Oh no, they've already left! What a disaster. Not a soul left alive. I see dust over there. Heading to Little Rock. No time to lose. Come on. Five minutes is all you have left. They should be here soon. I hope. Five minutes. Samuel, go tie them to their horses. Right. Two minutes. What is it, Scott? That's Adam up ahead. Come on.
time's up. Wait, here they come! Hello, sir. I am Walter Smith, and I am here to take this town. I have legal papers right here. Walter! James? So, you also want this town, do you? You dirty skunk. I have a score to settle with you. Why don't we just send you all to a city with a sheriff and let him handle this? I'll take them. Good. We hope you liked a desert journey. James, Walter, and the gang were sent to jail for multiple crimes on their record, where they will stay for a long time. As for our friends in Little Rock, Adam was cared for by the doctor there and improved immensely. Samuel and Sarah, through all the trials and difficulties, came to the Lord and accepted him as a personal savior. Soon everything was back to normal. You heard Silas Johnson as James, Robert Neal as Troy, Timothy Spencer as Larson, and Amanda Williams as the waitress. Other parts were played by members of the aforementioned cast. Connection complete. Current translation, Terran English. Legend Smith presents Automaton Anthologies. Stories written using bots with predictive algorithms. I'm your host, Scooter. Today we have a story about Harry, Ron, and Hermione's attempt to listen in on a conversation between Death Eaters. Well, sort of. Our story is called Harry Potter and the Portrait of What Looks Like a Large Pile of Ash. Chapter 13, The Handsome One. This story was written by Botnik Studios. Our players are David Allen, L.J. Donnell, Matt Olaf Hinton, Max Baskin, and Patrick Kempter. Chapter 13, The Handsome One. The castle grounds snarled with a wave of magically magnified wind. The sky outside was a great black ceiling, which was full of blood. The only sounds drifting from Hagrid's hut were the disdainful shrieks of his own furniture. Magic. It was something that Harry Potter thought was very good. Leathery sheets of rain lashed at Harry's ghost as he walked across the grounds towards the castle. Ron was standing there and doing a kind of frenzied tap dance. He saw Harry and immediately began to eat Hermione's family. Ron's Ron shirt was just as bad as Ron himself. Then Hermione said, If you two can't clump happily, I'm going to get aggressive. Ron offered. What about Ron magic? To Harry, Ron was a loud, slow, and soft bird. Harry did not like to think about birds. Death Eaters are on top of the castle. Ron was going to be spiders. He just was. He wasn't proud of that, but it was going to be hard not to have spiders all over his body after all is said and done. Look, obviously there's loads of Death Eaters in the castle. Let's listen in on their meetings. 
the three complete friends zapped onto the landing outside the door to the castle roof. They almost legged it, but witches are not climbing. Ron looked at the doorknob and then looked at Hermione with searing pain. I think it's closed. Then a shabby robed ghost named Mr. Staircase confirmed. Would you replace yourself with a small orb? Beef women. Harry, Ron, and Hermione quietly stood behind a circle of Death Eaters who looked bad. I think it's okay if you like me. Thank you very much. The first Death Eater confidently leaned forward to plant a kiss on his cheek. Oh, well done. Then they all took a few minutes to go over the plan to get rid of Harry's magic. Harry could tell that Voldemort was standing right behind him. He felt a great overreaction. Harry tore his eyes from his head and threw them into the forest. Voldemort raised his eyebrows at Harry, who could not see anything at the moment. Voldemort, you are a very bad and mean wizard. Uh-huh. The tall Death Eater was wearing a shirt that said, Hermione has forgotten how to dance. So Hermione dipped his face in the mud. Uh-huh. Ron threw a wand at Voldemort. Ron smiled. Ron reached for his wand, slowly. Ron's the handsome one. Harry reluctantly reached for his wand. They cast a spell or two, and the jets of green light shot out of the Death Eater's heads. Ron flinched. (laughs) Not so handsome now. Harry dipped Hermione in hot sauce. The Death Eaters were dead now, and Harry was hungrier than he had ever been. The Great Hall was filled with incredible moaning chandeliers and a large librarian who had decorated the sinks with books about masonry. Mountains of mice exploded! Several long pumpkins fell out of McGonagall. Oh! 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 Dumbledore's hair scooted next to Hermione as Dumbledore arrived at school. The pig of Hufflepuff pulsed like a large bullfrog. Dumbledore smiled at it and placed his hand on its head. You are Hagrid now. We're the only people who matter. He's never going to get rid of us. The floor of the castle seemed like a large pile of magic. The Dursleys had never been to the castle, and they were not about to come there in Harry Potter and the portrait of what looked like a large pile of ash. Harry looked around and then fell down the spiral staircase for the rest of the summer. I'm Harry Potter. The dark arts better be worried. Oh. This has been Automaton Anthologies. The script for Harry Potter and the Portrait of What Looks Like a Large Pile of Ash was written by Scooter 
For more information on Legendsmith, visit us at www.legendsmithproductions.com. For Botnik Studios, go to www.botnik.org. Please review us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever we're available. It goes a long way to help people find us. Thank you for listening. We'll be back after we wind up our robots. See you on the flip side. You are Hagrid now. Oh my! Thanks for joining us this week on the Sonic Society as we get ready for the final three episodes of this season of the very best of modern audio theatre and then gear up for our Sonic Summerstock Playhouse. It promises to be another stellar season with some amazing productions. Jack should be back next week and we'll have a little discussion about all things up and coming in the world of audio drama. Until then, please make sure you email us any thoughts or questions at sonicsociety at gmail.com and join us in conversation either through Twitter at Sonic Society or Astro Tour 2010 or through the Facebook groups at Audio Drama Radio Drama Lovers and, of course, the Sonic Society Facebook group. I'm David Alt, so thanks for listening and good night. Sonic Society is written and produced weekly by Jack J. Ward and David Alt, with original music by Sharon B. at SharonB.com. All features, interviews, and audio drama shorts are owned completely by their originators and provided to the Sonic Society by Creative Commons Licensing. The Society itself originates from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Thanks for listening. This has been an Electric Vicuna production. Hello, I'm John Bell of Bells in the Bat Free. It's a comedy podcast. Fridays and every other Sunday. Well, anyway, back in episode five of Bells in the Bat Free, we introduced the cowlets, tiny little cows. Where did all these cats come from? They're not cats, they're cows, and they're heading toward the water cooler. Stop it before... Now you can display your love of these tiny cows with genuine Cowlet t-shirts. You know what's really fun to do with these shirts? Get a whole bunch of people to buy them. Then you all gather together and run down the street. People will see these Cowlets coming toward them and think it's a stampede. You think that would really work, Brad? Shh, I'm pushing for bulk sales here. You can also get Cowlet mugs, clocks, and other items. Just go to thebatfree.com and click on shop. This is a limited time offer. No, it's not. You just do not understand advertising, do you? Get your merchandise today with the official Cowlet design created by Jeff Music. Buying lots of them would bring music to my ears. Oh, stop. Stop.